Welcome to Content Insiders, brought to you by Acrolinks, the AI-powered platform that eliminates content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at enterprise scale. For more information on Acrolinks, stay tuned until the end of this broadcast or visit us at www.acrolinks.com. In this episode of Content Insiders, Acrolinks CEO Walker Smith will speak with Gracie Flores, Senior Product Manager of the Technology Learning Center at Nestle. I'll talk about how she and her team manage the complexities of global content creation and find and govern the right voice for the content they manage. Yeah, hi, good morning. My name is Volker Smith, um, Chief Executive Officer of Aquilinks, um, headquartered in Berlin. I'm actually joining here in this call from my home office, nicely decorated with the brand um, in Hamburg, Germany. And I'm here today with Gracie from Nestle. So Gracie, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Gracie Flores and I'm the Senior Product Manager for the Technology Learning Center um, in Nestle IT. And I happen to be in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, that's a long way away from Hamburg, Germany in these days, unimaginable. My last trip to the US was in February this year and I never thought that it would actually be hard to be back during this year. But anyway, we can't change it. We all have to cope with the current situation. Speaking of which, you work for Nestle and um, the area that you are responsible for, for, for from a content perspective is content for your global workforce that they consume to interact with your digital platforms. Now, the last time I checked um, on Nestle, a pretty sizable organization, almost 300,000 people working for Nestle around the world in 150 countries. And uh, I think the total number of brands that Nestle owns, I mean, there will be a daily count, but it's roughly 2,000 brands. So complex organization, complex workforce, and you manage a content pool that supports a highly diverse global workforce. Now, over to you. What does it mean on a day-to-day -day basis? So how big is your content pool? How many people would consume it? All great questions. Gracie, yeah. over to you. Yes, so it is. It is quite massive, actually, um, when you think about it like that. <laughs> um, so we work um, within the IT organization, but the receivers, so we have, we have basically two big groups that we work with. One is the product managers of all those different IT products. Um, which I, we have almost a thousand different IT products. And then we have the receivers of those products, which are the consumers. Um, and so though, that's the ones that are around, you know, over 300,000 people. Then it's the variety of people. We, we touch everyone from the factory floor to a forklift driver in a warehouse to headquarters and even our own IT department are consumers of IT products such as Power BI and such. So we really do have a wide range of people who look at our content and rely on it to be able to do their jobs. Wow, that's, that's difficult. Would you be able to tell us or share a little bit about the dimension? How big of a content pool do you have that you share with this diverse workforce? Or is it an well, unknown amount? It's an unknown amount. It really is challenging. And also because we changed our strategy a little bit. At the beginning, um, we have tools that can deliver content directly in through, uh, to the end user through the application. And when we first started, we tried to be very 
I don't know, limiting, I guess, and only wanted to share the content that was within our knowledge base, which mm -hmm. is knowledge is, is a bit of content that we do control, right? But what we found is that we were limiting people's ability to access information. So now through those applications, we can link to other, um, all other knowledge pools. And that's when we don't know, right? So we don't know the quality of that particular content pool over there. We, we, we tried to, to put some content guidelines around that, but it is difficult when you have so many. Um, we don't know how much content is there. We don't always know or can trust the, the quality of the content or that it's really even ready for digital output. In most cases, it's not. It hasn't been transformed over to that. Um, so for our particular knowledge base, yes, we know, you know, we have uh, approximately 30,000 different topics pages. We know they're each about a thousand words a piece. And we know that we have very good quality content around that. But then after that, it's very difficult to track. Yeah, it's probably the tip of the iceberg, huh? the 30,000 topics. Oh, it's not even the tip. It's like the snowflakes on top <laughs> of the iceberg. <laughs> I think that's more like it, yes. Wow, that's a big number. And if I think about the consumption of that content, if we just talked about the tip of the tip of the iceberg, um, my question would be then, so the perceived value of that content, all that content exists and it, it exists for a purpose. And if I look at it from a business perspective, my assumption would be, this is all around productivity of your workforce because digital, digital applications that you create are complex in nature. And you have a wide range from blue color worker to white color worker and everybody accesses digital platforms and Nestle wants them to become productive as fast as possible. So I would assume that the value of that content is to enable people to work more effectively. Would that be right or wrong? Yes, when you look at, so our group uh, sits within the Workforce 360 organization, which is an, it's a stream within the IT organization. For sure, we want to make sure that we are um, making our workforce as productive as possible. And that also that they have um, a good relationship with that content and with those products, right? It's not just about being productive. It's also about feeling good um, about using the products and feeling that they're helping. Um, so that's important. But, you know, we also have work with other areas where content, I mean, we are a food industry, so we have a lot of regulatory uh, type mm -hmm. of information that needs to be accurate. We have a lot of content that is really around compliance to safety, health uh, type, in, you know, guidelines. So that whether you like it or not, you, do, you need to understand that, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure that you understand how to apply it safely to our products. So there is a lot more to it than just productivity, but that is a major part of it, obviously. Okay, so productivity is one part, then the other part needs to be like every other enterprises, you need to stay in compliant mode. Because if yes. you're not compliant, there's all kinds of legal ramifications normally that enterprises enjoy or don't enjoy. Do you have a feedback loop from consumers of your content? Would they tell you how satisfied they are? How does Absolutely. that work? Yeah. So with our applications, we certainly do. So um, the knowledge base has a, at the end of every knowledge article, there's a feedback that says, was this helpful? Yes or no. And if it wasn't, why wasn't it so? And we measure that every month. Um, we are around a, anywhere between 75 to 80% uh, 
with good satisfaction rate from our users. Mm -hmm. um, we're also trying to embed that into our digital uh, dashboard platforms. So the, the walkthroughs and the simulations, we have feedback buttons on those as well. And yes, they're, they're very happy with the type of content that we're creating. Is there, uh, we would hope so certainly, a causational correlation between the quality of the content and the feedback that you get from consumers? Oh, for sure. One of the things that we used to do um, quite regularly, we used to call it um, voice of the market. So it was a survey that went out every year. And that's one of the reasons I actually en ended up in this job is that the feedback from the end users was that we, we delivered content that was too technical, that it wasn't written in their own language in their way of working, right? So it was very difficult for them to read the document and understand what to do with it because we was just too technical and um, too complex. So that is definitely one of the things that we do with our with Acrolinks is we measure for that complexity and we make sure that we speak in the language of the receiver. That's another reason why we really like um, the tool is because we have created different profiles. So we have a checking profile for the factory floor. We have a checking profile for the headquarters. Another one for IT because when IT writes for IT. We can be a bit more relaxed about how we write. Yeah. But we wouldn't write that way for someone on a factory floor that doesn't have time to sit there and read through long, complex sentences. They need short sentences that it tells them exactly what to do because they have a lot less time normally to think about what they need to do. They're manning multiple different um, pieces of equipment. They have cases above, below, right? There's a, they're in a completely different environment. So the content has to be very short, bulleted, clear and concise so yeah well speaking about complexity and having a global workforce I, I think about the Nestle headquarter in Switzerland I mean Switzerland is the most complex language country in the core of Europe because they have to serve German oh no it's more Swiss German that I don't understand at all but they call it Swiss German then they have French and then they have Italian in Switzerland but Leave that aside, um, there's a lot more languages that you need to cover globally. So what are the list of languages where you have to translate something so that it can be read in a, in a, in a, in a shop floor somewhere else? How many languages do you have to manage in a translation process? We normally handle five. So there's Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, and there's English, but we also have Chinese now. And in some cases, we have more than that. We are currently working with HR where we're translating up to 25 different languages for just for success factors, because it obviously touches all of the different workforce um, languages. So yeah, we're up to 25 in that one. But wow. there's five official ones. Yes. Five official ones up to 25. So the, the five is again another tip of the iceberg then. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the amount is growing. Interesting. If you can think about Nestle in, in general, now outside the scope of your work, what are other content pools that you would think we could provide the same degree of value? Like I, I was thinking about internal communication. Like you are in yeah. somewhat affiliated to internal communication, but then there's a marketing function for internal communication or many, many other opportunities. I was also thinking about one particular brand where the retail outlets need to be educated all the time would be Nespresso. So what would be from your perspective, other content pools where we could apply the same degree of value to? 
Well, certainly with our mergers and acquisitions, because um, that's mostly handled on the business side of things. But you know, we we do merge we, with new companies yeah. all the time, so that content and that terminology needs to be harmonized. Then, like you say, we have a lot of different types of communications. So we have the corporate communications um, that also are responsible for internal communications, but there's a huge um, matrix, if you will, of communication spots all over the world. How do they, and I did ask that once to, to, to the person who was the manager of that group is, how do you ensure that you speak with one voice when you speak across all the different groups? And he said, yeah, that is a challenge, yeah. right? So obviously there, um, we are actually now working on, on a use case um, of creating an, a sort of an IT press core so that we can ensure that we as an IT organization are communicating the message in a very consistent and efficient way to all the receivers of our IT products. Um, because today the different streams and the different teams do their own communication and that gets a bit confusing to the end users, especially when you think about that a regular typical person in a company can have as many as a hundred different IT applications that they use on their day-to-day. -day. You know, when you start looking at Office 365 and all these other things that we do. And imagine if all those IT product managers are trying to communicate to you at the same time. That would be quite difficult, right? Yeah. So that's how do we, how do we manage that better as an IT organization? Then you have the legal team who has a lot of contracts and obviously the wording of those contracts are very sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's another one. I mean, I can go on and on. If I think about each one of the different streams that we have, I could probably come up with a use case for almost all of them. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, no doubt. I, I think Nestle's total revenue globally is about 90 billion, 92 billion last year in Swiss francs. So mm -hmm. 300,000 people, 2000 brands, almost a hundred billion in revenue. There is, an almost indefinite amount of content linked to that business. That's for yes. sure. And uh, yes. as a publicly traded company, it's always the case with all the independence all these brands have at the end of the day, you have to govern somehow something uh, centrally. And with all with this massive content that we have today, with the growing complexity of our workflows, with more and more compliance and regulatory bodies affecting an enterprise like Nestle, the accuracy, the governance of content becomes a major topic. So I think over time, it will become a central function for organizations because I think if you don't do it, neither the value or sometimes the risk associated with content can be managed appropriately. It's my at least vision joining Acolinks and then uh, riding through the next couple of years, I would love to see this, this whole topic of content as an asset or a value or sometimes even from a compliance perspective, ungoverned content can create a ton of risk for enterprises all over. Oh, absolutely, because there's more and more every, every, every day. There's a higher and higher risk that that content is gonna escape your firewalls, if you will. Yeah. Um, you don't know where it's gonna end up. Um, there's, I don't see how we can control it, you know, either. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. And then it's also too, the fact that you just can't leverage um, some of the new technologies that are coming. You hear people talking about chatbots, virtual yeah. reality, you know, all these things. But if you don't pull the content with you, if you don't take the right content 
best practices for that particular type of technology, then how are you ever going to leverage that? To me, Absolutely. the chatbot is a, per, it's a perfect example. Everybody wants to use it. I'm like, okay, go ahead. You know, when that chatbot has to go over to that knowledge repository and search and index what you're asking it for, it's going to return what it finds. And if it's a poorly written article or document, that person's not going to be happy with the results of that chat box and it's going to blame it on your chatbot instead of on the content. Yeah. So you need to be very careful where, you know, you point people to because what they receive, that's the, the first impression that they get is could determine whether or not they're going to adopt that particular um, piece of technology going forward. So I think that's even a higher risk there that you lose people, you know, right from the first experience by not having things well thought out. Absolutely. I think that's a great last statement. Sometimes people keep forgetting that the beauty of a voice assistant in the foreground is being fed by a content pool in the background that needs to be st structured accordingly so that the voice assistant is intelligent enough not to return stupid answers. Right? Exactly. It sounds exactly. like my first interaction with Siri about 10 years ago. <laughs> that was still a stupid <laughs> yeah. interaction. That has changed over time. Um, crazy. Thank you very much for your insight. Very valuable. And um, we would love to do some follow-ups. And I have to say, um, looking forward to see you in person at some point during a, the, last, the, the next content connection or just a quick visit to the US where we can interact even more. For now, I would like to say thank you for your time and dedication and for your business. And uh, stay safe and healthy. Thank you very much, Gracie. Thank you. Nice speaking to you. Meet Peter Page. He's just your average piece of enterprise content, ready to engage, educate, and convert your target audience. But in the process of getting to your audience, your content has to pass through different teams and layers of approval. If your enterprise doesn't have a practice of active content governance, things can get messy. Content chaos happens when your content has a different style tone or terminology depending on who writes it and where it is written. Maybe your content lacks a native level fluency or different teams use different words and phrases to describe your product to consumers. Content chaos slows down your content release schedule, impacts your budget, your brand awareness and your revenue. That's where Acrolinks comes in. Our platform captures the way your enterprise communicates aligns your content with your guidelines, and analyzes the performance of your entire content operation. We're an AI-powered platform that solves content chaos and delivers strategy-aligned content at scale. It supports development and product teams to write fluent, simple documentation and UI strings with maximum efficiency. Helps your marketing teams write consistent, engaging content for different target audiences across different channels. And gives customer success teams more time to create knowledge articles and support content that customers can find and understand. Using the power of active content governance, Acrolinks manages content chaos so clear content gets to the right audience faster. Unify your content creators Experience efficient content creation at scale and deliver better content faster with Acrolinks. Contact us at www.acrolinks.com.